This podcast was created as a part of Podcast Lab by India Film Project in association with Anchor by Spotify. Hey podcast junkies, I hope you are well and safe. So, it's Halloween next week, huh? Spooky season is upon us. Since horrors and thrillers have a build up, I thought why not have a build up for the Halloween episode. So, surprise, we are going to talk about a horror movie today too. Yeah. I watched so many horror movies to select one to talk about today. In the process, I watched the Baba Duke as well. I mean, I kind of liked some of its concepts, but the funniest part to me is the sound. Baba Duke. The sound is probably scary in the context, but I just found it so funny. <laughs> I mean. What's with the throat, Baba Duke? Take some medicine, my friend. I feel bad for you, okay? Although I never actually celebrated Halloween, I've always wanted to. But I don't think I'd get a good reaction from Indian neighbors if we go to their doors dressed in scary costumes to demand candy. We might end up getting reported. Before I start talking about today's movie, I want to ask: Do you know what Halloween is about? How did it start? Why do we celebrate it? Well, I didn't and I've never met someone who did. So here's a little bit that I gathered from different sources about how this day came to be. Halloween is short for All Hallows Eve, the night before All Saints Day, a Catholic celebration commemorating saints and martyrs. The Celtic festival Samhain marked the end of summer. It was believed the souls that departed that year traveled to the other world and came back to visit their homes during this time. It was said that the line between our world and the afterlife was especially thin around All Hallows. The costume tradition started from people wearing disguises to hide themselves from souls. wandering around their homes people in the middle ages dressed as ghosts demons and other malevolent creatures performing antics in exchange for food and drink this custom known as mummin is thought to be an antecedent of trick or treating on the nights leading up to samhain the irish would wear costumes and go door to door singing songs to the dead nuts money or baked treats called soul cakes were received in exchange This practice was then adapted by the Christians and renamed All Souls Day. Hence the treats. The jack-o'-lantern's origin comes from an Irish myth about Stingy Jack, who tricked the devil for his own monetary gain. When Jack died, God didn't allow him into heaven, and the devil didn't let him into hell. So Jack was sentenced to roam the earth for eternity. In Ireland, people started to carve demonic faces out of turnips to frighten away Jack's wandering soul. When Irish immigrants moved to the US, they began carving jack-o'-lanterns from pumpkins as these were native to the region. Many people might confuse the Day of the Dead and Halloween. There are some differences between the two. Basically, while Day of the Dead is a day when you pray for and remember those who have departed, Halloween is an appreciation for the afterlife. Halloween is just one night on October 31st, while Days of the Dead go on for 3 days starting October 31st, and the final day is known as Day of the Dead. People visit cemeteries and leave skull-shaped food offerings. If you have seen the animated movie Coco, you probably know a bit about it. Halloween has a reputation for being more ghoulish though, as we all know. We wear costumes, carve pumpkins, go trick-or-treating and bob for apples. We all know about Bloody Mary and the curse of La Llorona and such stories. 
and i think filmmakers notice the sudden interest in ghoul stories through time too and i guess that's how this ended up being a whole genre of its own i thought long and hard on which movie to talk about i don't want it to get too dark or too funny you know that feeling when you need the exact amount of an ingredient in a recipe I didn't want to take a true crime sweep because you know even if we celebrate Halloween we do not appreciate or encourage crime. Halloween is just a celebration of fear. To me it's almost like owning one's flaws, being one with our vulnerable side, you know. So I don't want everyone to get too serious with an intense true crime series. Then there is visual horror where we have costumes, makeup, sounds and jump scares. And then psycho thrillers. I initially thought of talking about you, not you dear, you are delightful. The series you, the third season of which came out recently. But there be too many spoilers, so I'll be writing blog posts for this week on some horror and thriller pieces on my blog medium.com forward slash at framing words. I'll also be talking about the series you in one of those. The link to my blogs is in the description. Today, fellow movie buffs, we will be talking about. Drum rolls, please. The Shining. Ta-da! During my research, I realized horror is so much more diverse than other genres. It has subgenres like horror comedy, horror romance, true crime, fictional, documentary. So, although today we'll be talking about The Shining, I have made a list of some horrors and thrillers for you as a Halloween gift, which will be available to you on the 31st. I will also indicate the level of visual content and scare factor. Now, let's talk about The Shining. I'm pretty sure most horror fans have seen this masterpiece. It is based on the 1977 novel of the same name by Stephen King. It was made into a film in 1980 by the awe-inspiring director Stanley Kubrick. There are loads of horror films out there, but none is like The Shining. Stanley Kubrick had a very unique style of filmmaking. He focused on the visuals heavily and his movies have aesthetically pleasing shots. He's known for the one-point perspective shot in which a scene's art direction, action, and camera movement lead a viewer's focus to a very specific point. This movie follows Jack Torrance, his wife Wendy, and his 5-year-old son Danny as Jack takes a job as a caretaker of the Overlook Hotel in the off-season. He is warned by the manager that they will be completely isolated for 5 months. He also tells him about a tragic incident that happened at the hotel. The Shine is a special psychic ability Danny has to see visions and has an imaginary friend whom he calls Tony. Jack takes up the job and turns more and more aggressive due to the hotel's ominous environment. He eventually tries to kill his family. Stanley Kubrick famously said, "If it can be written or thought, it can be filmed." Most of his films are based on books, and why? Because he became a master of visualizing the written world. He did not just portray what he read, but made his own version with it. Stephen King truly disliked the end result and has criticized it many times. probably due to the fact that kubrick had deviated from king's original vision and made his film different from the novel he took the book as a starting point he did not read stephen king's screenplay for the film either if you read a story someone else has written you get the irreplaceable experience of reading it the first time this is something you obviously cannot have if you write an original story kubrick once said he and dian johnson wrote the screenplay for the shining i generally do not praise horror movies in this way since most are just made for excitement entertainment and as a thrilling experience and not as a cinematic piece as such and that's okay 
not every movie needs to have a deeper meaning some can just have a story and entertain people with it that's filmmaking for you there are all sorts of things to watch according to your mood but why i specifically chose the shining to talk about has a lot to do with the execution of this film so many things interested me about this movie that i cannot list all of them there are just too many and if someone can pack so many things in 2 and a half hours it's obviously worth watching a dialogue that stuck in my mind is the repeated dialogue when jack says i wish we could stay here forever and ever and ever and the same dialogue by greedy twins when they say hello danny come and play with us come and play with us danny forever and ever and ever this shows how jack is changing into another person slowly the language is used very subtly to show how evil is taking over jack entirely a parallel that's shown through visual hints in this movie is how jack has abused danny sexually when danny is talking to mr holran and they talk about the special gift the shine danny asks him about room 237 you would think it's related to the greedy family it's not you'd think it's a reference from the book where an old lady who used to seduce young boys committed suicide it's not it's a reference to the sexual abuse danny faced and is scared of the concept is never openly shown or stated but it has been implied and the audience has analyzed and come with much evidence to support the theory as well i read a great article regarding this parallel where the author discusses the bear motif the playgirl magazine cover the number 42 the lady in room 237 and many more visual hints link to the article can be found in the episode description you'll be shocked how much we miss at the first glance of something i know i am So talking about the script of the movie a very very important role of the written word on screen is when Wendy sees what Jack has been writing just to find all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy this is originally a saying that appeared first in Jane Howells proverbs in english italian french and spanish in 1659 it was included in later collections of proverbs the fact that our main character is named Jack makes it much much more creepier on top of the fact that he has has been typing it over and over for pages people speculate jack had gone mad due to the isolation and was imagining all the ghosts and research papers have been written supporting this theory others believe that the ghosts were real and that the hotel as a whole had an ominous feeling to it where it called vulnerable people like jack i find it really amusing that the hotel is named the overlook hotel which means having a view from above which makes sense given that it's so up high in the mountains but which also means fail to notice which almost feels like an underlying meaning to what the hotel represents it overlooks the fates of those who end up there well i'd love to know what you think about it two more pieces have been made after the shining one is the 2013 documentary room 237 by rodney asher and the second is a 2019 film again adapted from the stephen king 2013 novel doctor sleep which acts as a prequel to the shining it is directed by mike flangen during the scenes in which we can hear jack typing kubrick reportedly recorded the sound of a typist actually typing the words all work and no play makes jack a dull boy due to the fact that each key on a typewriter sounds slightly different and he wanted to ensure authenticity this shows how dedicated he was as a filmmaker and how he wants to make the film an immersive experience for the audience the ending of this movie has stirred a conversation of its own and people have many many theories about what it could be 
from reincarnation to the hotel being a force in itself. Won't spoil it for you in case you haven't watched the movie, but would love to know your thoughts. You can DM me on Instagram at chit.chore or on Twitter at Space Victor. I love the fact that the film has not shown anything about the past of this family, yet we all know what's going on. Danny has been subject to sexual abuse, while Jack has been both an abuser and an alcoholic, and Wendy has been in denial and thinking things would get better, all through words. Listen to these dialogue and let them paint a picture of Jack for you. Danny says, in the very famous fatherly love scene, you wouldn't ever hurt mommy and me, would you? To which Jack replies, what do you mean? Did your mother ever say that you, that I would hurt you? Later, when Jack wants a drink, he's so desperate that he says he's ready to sell his soul for a beer. And that's when the bartender Lloyd appears. And take note that Lloyd did not appear before this. The bar was empty. There was no Lloyd. There was no bartender. There were no drinks. But as soon as Jack said he's ready to sell his soul, you see Lloyd. It was like a message to me that unless you want to be evil, you cannot be evil. Somewhere deep down, you want it and so you submit to it. Through the following dialogue, we know that Jack has an alcohol problem. He used to five miserable months on the wagon and all the irreparable harm that it's caused me. He goes on to talk to Lloyd saying, I never laid a hand on him but he did. I did. I wouldn't touch one hair on the Hezekiah today. I love the little son of a bitch. <laughs> I'd do anything for him. Any fucking thing for him. Keep that bitch. As long as I live, she'll never let me forget what happened. I did hurt him once, okay? It was an accident. Completely unintentional. Could have happened to anybody. And it was three goddamn years ago. That little fucker had thrown all my papers all over the floor. All I tried to do was pull them up. A momentary loss of muscular coordination. makes you think, what exactly happened? Was it just violence or something more that he did to Danny? You'll see how Lloyd is totally not discouraging him and not reacting negatively to any of it, just listening to him unfold his evilness, bringing out the worst in Jack. An incredible feature of this film to me is how there are almost no jump scares at all. There are scenes where Danny and Mr. Horan have visions, but the shots are very slow. It lets you take all the fear inside, the suspense, the anticipation, the anxiety of the future and the fate of these people. There is enough time for us to absorb the reaction. It is not just one shot after another. We all know that horror is famous for its sound and visuals. You might even ask, what does the script bring to the table? Let's read an excerpt from the script to know. But before I start, you should know some of the terms and abbreviations used in it. MCS stands for medium close shot, MLS for medium long shot, and MS for medium shot. 
three of the many shot types. These are the directions for the camera person as to how he is supposed to shoot a particular shot. Here, we'll see a lot of tight frames, which is one of the techniques horror films use. We'll talk more about these techniques in the next episode. Furthermore, wherever there is a cam L or cam R, it means the direction left and right for the camera to focus on. BG is background. A tracking shot is when the camera physically moves sideways, backwards or forwards instead of zooming in or out. Cut to is a transition that is used to direct the editor where they have to change scenes. The script can have dissolves and superimpositions. These are the software terms and are different ways to blend or connect scenes together. Black frames, dip to black, etc. just means that the screen goes black for a moment and there will be further instructions in the script if there will be something on the black screen or something after it. And lastly, we have continues. It is written as C-O-N-T-D or C-O-N-T dot. When there is any action or page break in a script, while the same character continues to talk, we use the abbreviation continued to make clear that the same character is continuing to speak. Script excerpt of The Shining by Stanley Kubrick and Diane Johnson. Cut to MCS Wendy. Wendy. Hey, the weather forecast said it's going to snow tonight. Cut to MS Jack looking up Cam L at Wendy. Jack. What do you want me to do about it? Cut to MCS Wendy. Wendy. Ah, oh, come on, hun. Don't be so guauchy. Cut to MS Jack looking up Cam L at Wendy. Jack. I'm not being grouchy. I just want to finish my work. Cut to MCS Wendy. Wendy. Okay, I understand. I'll come back later on with a couple of sandwiches for you and uh, maybe you'll let me eat something then. Cut to MCS Jack. Jack. Wendy. Clears throat. <clears throat> let me explain something to you. Whenever you come in here and interrupt me, you're breaking my concentration. Jack hits his forehead with his hand. Jack continued. You're distracting me. He picks up sheet of paper and tears it up. Then he throws the pieces down. Jack continued. And it will then take me time to get back to where I was. Understand? Cut to MCS Wendy. Wendy. Yes. Cut to MCS Jack. Jack. Fine. Now we are going to make a new rule. Whenever I am in here and you hear me typing, Jack taps typewriter keys. Jack continued. Or whether you don't hear me typing, whatever the fuck you hear me doing in here. When I am in here, that means that I am working. That means don't come in. Now, do you think you can handle that? Cut to MCS Wendy. Wendy. Yes. Cut to MCS Jack. Jack. Fine. Why don't you start right now and get the fuck out of here, hmm? Cut to MCS Wendy. Wendy. Okay. Cut to MLS Wendy. Standing cam R of Jack back to camera sitting at table. She turns and walks away to BG. Camera tracks back. Cut to MS Jack starts to type. Cut to black frames. There are many interesting facts about Shining. Two of my most favorite are, you know the blood splash scene from the elevator? Kubrick wanted it to be in the trailer which had the risk of being cut out by the Motion Picture Association who were against gory trailers. The director ended up convincing them that the blood in the elevator was actually rusty water. And rightly so, the man spent 
12 months thinking about that shot. Kubrick had a soft spot for the child actor playing Danny and was determined to protect him from external influences and emotional upheavals. Lloyd never knew that he was acting in a horror film up until he watched the entire film in his teens. Guys, it's time for Filmatomy. So today's cinematic term is ad-lib and it is a line of dialogue improvised by an actor during a performance. It can be either unscripted or deliberate, improvisation consists of ad-lib dialogue and action that is invented or created by the performer. The Shining has one of the most famous ad-libs of all time. Remember that time when Jack stuck his head through a hole in the door and said, Here's Johnny. It was a joke Jack Nicholson made on the spot referencing Johnny Carson's Tonight Show. Similarly, some other examples of ad-libs are Jack's I'm the king of the world in Titanic, Sean's son of a bitch, he stole my wife. In Goodwill Hunting, Martin, you're gonna need a bigger boat. In Jaws, Voldemort's, well, I must say, I'd hope for better. In Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2, and Nathan R's, you can't handle the truth in a few good men. Yes, all of these are iconic and not from the script. All of these have an amazing story behind them. An ad lib can originate from a joke, a catchphrase, an experiment, anything really. Because at the end, filmmaking is a collaboration. Remember how I told you in the previous episode that each person and team in a movie plays a vital role in its making? This is a fine example of that. So before we say farewell for a week, here's a little trivia to entertain you. Did you know that one quarter of all the candy sold annually in the US is purchased for Halloween? The National Confectioners Association estimates that Americans spend $2.7 billion a year on Halloween candy. 20% of Americans plan on buying a Halloween costume for their pet. Roughly 2 billion pounds of pumpkins are harvested annually for Halloween. The term trick-or-treating was first used in a magazine called American Home in 1939. In 1951, trick-or-treating was depicted in the Peanuts comic strip. In 1952, Disney produced a cartoon called Trick or Treat featuring Donald Duck and his nephews Huey, Dewey and Louie. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and I hope to see you again. Same time, same place. If you liked the episode, please like and share it with your friends. Make sure to subscribe to never miss an episode again. Take care guys. This is Soumya signing off.